Age cannot wither, nor custom stale her infinite variety. Hey there, and welcome to Her Infinite Variety, the podcast that covers Shakespeare in New York City. I'm Aaron Grunfeld, dramaturg, journalist, educator, family man, New Yorker, and most important for this program, a Shakespeare fan. In, let's call it, three decades of theater going, I've seen about 150 productions of his plays, which, if you think about it, is kind of nuts. I'm launching her infinite variety to talk about Shakespeare, but here's where I hope it gets interesting. One thing almost everybody knows about Shakespeare is that he didn't work with women. In London 400 years ago, all the female roles were played by boys, and a woman didn't go on stage in one of Shakespeare's plays till almost 50 years after he died. So, to balance those scales, every episode of Her Infinite Variety will be talking to the women in New York who are producing Shakespeare's plays. The actors, the directors, designers, critics, academics, who bring Shakespeare to life in 21st century New York City. This episode, I'm sitting down with Mimi Indoweni, an actor with the Royal Shakespeare Company visiting New York City on tour. Take it away, Mimi. So I'm Mimi Indoweni, and I'm playing Ophelia in Hamnet, and I'm playing Cordelia in King Lear. That's Lear by the RSC, visiting the Brooklyn Academy of Music in April 2018, directed by Gregory Doran with Anthony Schur as the king. After Lear closes on the 29th, Mimi and the RSC will head down to D.C., where she'll play Ophelia at the Kennedy Center. So we'll be hearing from Mimi about Cordelia and Ophelia, fathers and sisters, madness and sense. Mimi... What have you found interesting about playing this role? I always find it fascinating with Shakespeare's younger women, the barrier between strength and vulnerability. And that's something I find really fascinating with Cordelia, the strength that she has to openly, in this courtroom at the start of the play, say, I'm not going to play this game because I don't believe it's honest and true, and to carry that through until she comes back. I think that takes such strength And I wanted to dive into that strength and the fact that she is her father's daughter. The fact that King Lear is somebody who is very impulsive. And sometimes it's only a few years down the line that he recognised, maybe I was a bit harsh. (laughs) I wanted to explore what that was. What is it that makes them so close? And what is it that maintains this pull, even when she's away from home, that makes her want to build an army and come back? Of when she sees her father again, in the doctor's scene, that just pure innocence of, this is my dad and I just want him to be better. That's a contrast that I find really interesting. And I think it's quite consistent with a lot of Shakespeare's younger women, the strength and vulnerability. You mentioned the doctor's scene. That's act four, scene seven, late in the play. Cordelia's sisters have staged a soft coup, driving their father mad and leaving him without shelter in a tempest. Cordelia, in command of the French army, returns to challenge their authority and rescue her father. Their reunion is a lovely scene, and Cordelia has some beautiful lines in it. Let's listen to a clip of that scene. This is Lee Chamberlain from 1974 Shakespeare in the Park, where she played Cordelia opposite James Earl Jones. Oh, my dear father. Restoration, hang thy medicine on my lips, 
and let this kiss repair those violent harms that my two sisters have in thy reverence made. Had you not been there, Father, these white flakes did challenge pity of them? Was this a face to be opposed against the jarring winds? To stand against the deep dread bolted thunder and the terrible and nimble stroke of quick cross lightning to watch? Poor Pelgeu, with this thin helm, mine enemy's dog, though he had bit me, should have stood that night against my fire. And wast thou fain, poor father, to hovel thee with swine and rogues forlorn and shortened musty straw? Alack, alack, tis wonder that thy life and wits at once had not concluded all. What's going on in that scene? Can you unpack that speech for us? I think when she first sees King Lear in the chair and she says, Oh, my dear father, restoration, hang thy medicine on my lips and let this kiss repair those violent harms that my two sisters have in thy reverence made. That's one of my favourite lines because I feel that sums up so much because it, she appeals to something beyond herself to give her strength to heal her father. King Lear is always calling on the elements and the earth and the gods to help him do things. And she does it in such a genuine way, just to heal and to be part of the process of his healing. And she gets angry that her two sisters, these two people who were brought up with the same man that she loves so much, could do so wrong to him. So that's a line for that was a big part of unlocking her psychology and what that meant to me, yeah. Hmm. Can you speak to how their relationship has changed in between the first act and the fourth act? When she comes back, the bigger picture of things isn't so important to her. It's the immediacy of needing a genuine relationship with her father. When she comes back, he, he needs her more than he did when she left, or when she was banished, should I say. And so that then gives her license to express herself in a different way. You worked on this scene with Anthony Scher, one of the great Shakespearean actors of our time. Did he help you through the process or give you any advice on the scene in any way? The very first time that Anthony and I approached the doctor scene, I almost couldn't get through the speech where she's just looking at her father and saying, you know, was this a face to be opposed against the jarring winds? I couldn't get through it because I was just weeping. And I remember Anthony had his eyes closed because obviously he's supposed to be sleeping. And I kept trying to catch my breath and he must have been able to hear me, hear me cry. And he just took my hand and he opened one eye and he said, it's okay. It's okay, it's just part of the process. And instantly I was like, <sighs> And it was just a moment, a slight moment of just, no matter what happens, and no matter how terrified I am because of how quick this process is, we're okay. You know, as actors, you're constantly holding each other. If something goes wrong on stage, the only person you have is the actors with you on stage. And Anthony is so generous like that. But also, one thing that I find incredible about Anthony is his consistency. You'll get some actors who be slightly different every night or do different things, which is another way and equally as wonderful. But with Anthony, his little shifts will be a little twinkle in his eye or a little smile will come in a different place. There's a real warmth, such a warmth, but he's so consistent, which I think is wonderful and I think holds the play. 
Over the course of the play, Lear's opinion of his daughter changes radically. How would you characterize this father's feelings about his daughter? I always find the father-daughter relationship, I was raised solely by my father, that's something that I just find fascinating. You know, as a young woman grows up and becomes a woman, how that shifts the dynamic of father-daughter. And as you find your feet, you know, as, you, as you're growing up and finding your feet, that, that moment, I remember having moments with, with my dad, like even going to drama school, where sometimes I'd, I'd dig my heels in a little extra just so he knew something was important to me. Whereas when I was younger, I might give up a little easier, you know? And that moment where, you know, I know with my dad, where he's like, oh, actually, you've grown up now. <laughs> and it's not so scary. Actually, this can work. And I feel that, I feel that Leah and Cordelia go on that journey. In addition to Cordelia, you're also playing Ophelia in Hamlet. She's another character with a very fraught relationship with her father. Can you speak to the similarities between the two roles and between the two relationships with their fathers? In my mind, the similarities with King Lear and Polonius are they both have an outside-of-the-household political position, but then they both have these good relationships with their daughters. Cordelia and King Lear, before the play starts, have a very good relationship, which is why it's so devastating and she's so shocked when he actually banishes her. And so we had to start the play with that being a fact. Before the play started, they had a good relationship. Whereas with Polonius, you see their good relationship. You see the strength of their relationship until things then go to pot. And I think what's shocking for both Cordelia and Ophelia is when both fathers then choose to put the political position ahead of their personal relationship. It happens for both females and for both of them it's a shock, but they both handle it very differently. When Cordelia's away in King Lear, she kind of has time to just re-collaborate and she's writing the letters and she's kind of in the know. And it's almost like political strategy, like her father it has to be in the know and what's going on. And, and so she comes with a kind of authority, but it truly hits her, the impact of that, when she sees her father. Ophelia is a much more immediate person. If something doesn't feel right, she feels the need to immediately fix it. That immediacy means that she doesn't always know how she's feeling. The play kind of runs ahead of her before she can catch up. It's rare for someone to characterize the Polonius-Ophelia relationship as a good and loving one. Could you tell us more about that, please? With the version of Hamlet that we're doing, or the Hamlet that we've created, I remember Simon, Simon Godwin, our director, before rehearsals even started, he got the Polonius household together one day just to meet each other and to read through the first couple of scenes. So myself, the guy who plays Polonius, and the guy who plays my brother, we all got together. And the first thing that we all said to each other is, this family really love each other. They really love each other. And like I said before, I was raised solely by my father because my mother passed when I was young. And Joseph, who plays Polonius, my father, raised a daughter on his own. And so automatically, we came with that into the rehearsal room. So... I believe what we've created is a household that has so much love and is driven by everybody wanting the best for each other and then being put into situations where that is just not possible, <laughs> even though we're really trying. <laughs> and I think it's the unravelling of that, the genuine desire to want to do good, that is so tragic in that household and in that family dynamic. 
Let's turn to Ophelia's madness scenes for a minute. I think those scenes are some of the most challenging in all of Shakespeare. How did you navigate those scenes and make sense of them? Simon, our director for Hamlet, when I went in for our first meeting, so before I even got the job, and I said to him, I've got some issues with Ophelia's madness. <laughs> and he said, well, don't we all? <laughs> and then we just started talking about it. And I have a fascination with when somebody can no longer connect with people they used to be able to connect with. Ophelia is a young woman who, in the play, actually is experiencing a lot of things for the first time. Hamlet's her first love. Hamlet's her first rejection. <laughs> um, the love with her father and that falling apart in her eyes, it's all new. And then before any of it is resolved, she loses him. And then her brother's gone, her brother's not there. And so she's at a point where she's at her most vulnerable in life and she has nobody who has been there in the past who's cared for her. And for me, I always felt that the madness scenes are just points of extreme grief and not being able to connect with anybody. Yet she has such a desire to be able to grieve with someone and such a desire to be understood. And I think in those scenes, it's a frustration of not being able to do it, but also I think she comes to a point where she lets go of the desire to need it anymore. And I think she expresses herself freely, which is why she's been able to love so deeply and fight so hard. And so when things get tough, that's how it comes out. And I think in her mind, it's a point of complete clarity. I don't think anyone who's considered mad thinks they're mad. And so for me, it was really important to make sense of those scenes, to sit down actually with Simon and say, what does this mean for her? And I think it's that precision that then unlocked those scenes for us. Let's switch back to Lear so we can talk about the dynamic relationship between the three sisters in that play. What thoughts do you have about Cordelia and Regan as characters? So often when I've seen King Lear, the two sisters can merge into one when I watch them. And I might be biased because I'm in this production, but I feel like the two sisters in this are so different to one another. And their wants are so different and their drives are so different. It, for me, creates this really contemporary feel on different women. Women who don't actually really want to fight with each other. But all of their wants are kind of contradicting each other or clashing, so they have to fight for what they believe in. And that's where the conflict comes in. Not because they're just women who want to fight. <laughs> Lear's three daughters, Cordelia, Regan, and Goneril, have only one scene together, a very short scene, right after the big court scene where Lear divides his kingdom and banishes Cordelia. It's short, so I will play it for you. Uh, this is from Ian McKellen's Lear in 2008. It's Romola Garay as Cordelia, Francis Barber as Goneril, and Monica Dolan as Regan. Bid farewell to your sisters. The jewels of our father. With washed eyes, Cordelia leaves you. I know you what you are. Unlike a sister, and most loath to call your faults as they are named. Prescribe not us our duties. Let your study be to content your lord, who hath received you at fortune's arms. You have obedience scanted, oh. and well are worth the want that you have wanted. Time shall unfold what plighted cunning hides. Come, my fair Cordelia. Yeah, it's a point where. 
Kingley is gone and the only other man is France. And he says, say goodbye to your sisters, say farewell to your sisters. And all three sisters are in shock at what's just happened. I don't think any of the girls thought that that would have happened. On your wedding day, for your father to say, actually, what I'm going to do is make you declare how much you love me so I can give you all of my assets. I mean, who thinks that's going to happen on their wedding day? <laughs> so shock is in the air and she knows she's going. And so she wants to be honest. I don't think she's ever said to her sisters, I know you what you are. And all three women are very strong. All three women are very honest throughout the play, but they express it in different ways. And I think that's a moment where they all just say, it didn't have to be like this for different reasons. But now that it is like this, I want to leave you with something. With Cordelia, it's love our father, love our father well, but I do know who you are. And time will tell. I think she knows that she'll be back and she knows that there's a chance that they won't treat him right. And I think she wants them to know that she knows in the hope that they won't be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because even since we've opened, we're still exploring the detail in their relationships and actually the love that the girls have. Because I do think that they, they do love each other but I think they know that their situation isn't led and dominated by their own means and abilities. Yeah. From there, our conversation turned to Shakespeare's women in general, to the rewards and the challenges that come with playing Shakespeare's women. In many ways, I've watched a lot of Shakespeare's and had problems with the women particularly the younger women, but I don't have those same problems when I read it. And so sometimes, I think sometimes we, when we're watching Shakespeare and we, when we're doing Shakespeare, come with our own experiences. And so a lot of the time, it's just about interpreting what silence means, for example. So in Hamlet, Queen Gertrude doesn't actually say that much, but I think that she's one of the strongest characters in the play. And I think it's an interpretation of how do you take silence. For me, silence in a woman can be such strength because it means that when they do speak, they're choosing those words. And for me, that comes with weight, that comes with a power, and it comes with a conviction, a conviction in what they believe in to then speak it because they don't speak very often. And the, the more I read Shakespeare and the more I dive into it and the more I see Shakespeare that I personally relate to, the more I'm fascinated by his women. I'm fascinated by their relationships. I'm fascinated by a lot of their inner strength rather than outward soliloquy strength that some of his men have. <laughs> and because we don't always get that direct access to his women through soliloquies or through elaborate monologues, I just think we have to dig a little deeper. But I do think it's there. Finally, I asked Mimi my favorite question. Are there any Shakespeare roles that you would like to play? Not just women, men too. Traditionally male roles. Mimi had an answer immediately. I would love to play Cleopatra. I mean, give me a few years, hopefully. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> um, Macbeth, actually. I would love to play Macbeth. I'd love to get into that psychology of being led by another and having to work so much out internally whilst playing a game publicly. I'd love to get into that. I'd love to dissect it, I think. 
Good answer. Thank you, Mimi. And thanks for speaking with me. And thank you for listening to this first choppy podcast of Her Infinite Variety. Next week, I'll be speaking with Aaron Arbus, director of The Winter's Tale at Theatre for a New Audience. Today, I spoke with Mimi Ndweni of the RSC, who visited New York with King Lear at the Bam Harvey Theatre, April 7th through 29th, 2018. We also heard clips of Lee Chamberlain playing Cordelia in 1974, and of Romola Garay, Francis Barber, and Monica Dolan as Lear's daughters in 2008. The theme music for her infinite variety is The Crystals to Do Run Run, and the ladies you hear now are Sleater Kinney. I'm Aaron Grunfeld, and this has been Her Infinite Variety. Nobody like